Wednesday morning, McBonagle here with you. I got you for one more hour to the warm-up show, 877-337-6666. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I was just listening, not to get into the Beatles talk at all, but I was just, I happened to be listening a little bit to the Beatles on uh, station on Sirius, and they did, uh, or XM, whatever, I don't know. What do we call it these days? Sirius XM? They're both. I was listening to the Beatles channel, and they were talking about the Ed Sullivan show because the if you, the ratings have come up on. There's about 95 million people watch the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Obviously, the Super Bowl just blew that out of the water, and it's the highest rated TV show in history. Next, and the only event bigger was the moon landing. But the Beatles were there for a while. The Beatles were there for a while, and it was just the anniversary, the 60th anniversary. Can you believe it? I can't. Especially considering it happened 20 years before I was born. 877-337-6666. Nick talk early as they are going to try and get that overtime game after all. As they appealed and protested the game to the NBA. We'll find out uh, subsequently how it goes. Obviously everyone, whether it be you know uh, Ed Malloy, the chief of that um uh, referee crew who immediately came out and said that call against Brunson was nonsense. And then obviously the two minute report the next day, same thing should not have been called a foul. We will see, but ultimately moving forward, just with all the injuries here with now the injuries mounting more than just Ananobi, more than just Randall, but dealing with, you know, the idea that DiVincenzo's got a hamstring, uh, the Hartenstein after Mitchell Robinson went down and how important he's been, he's dealing with an Achilles injury and how far do you push these guys to win games? And how far do you, like, how does this coach handle the idea of going forward with banged-up role players and just Brunson trying to win every game possible for the next month to stay in line and stay inside the Eastern Conference, you know, top seeds? Or do you believe this team is good enough when everyone returns that you don't have to go out there and try and win every game and you've cushioned, cushioned enough with the way they played early on, that you don't push these minutes, you don't run, uh, you know, Brunson into the ground, and you don't make, you know, you, you limit a little bit of DiVincenzo and you play your bench a little bit, despite the fact that they're nobodies and you don't have faith in them. Somehow, some way, you have to be able to be at full strength when the guys do come back. It's a fine line for Coach Tibbs, and he's not really good at fine lines. He's his way, and there's going to have to be some nuance here. And they're going to have to give it some time. Thankfully, nobody needs the break more than they do. They have a game tonight against Orlando Magic. Then they will hit the All-Star break. Hopefully get a little bit healthy, uh, get a little healthier. Hopefully DiVincenzo's uh, hamstring has the chance to heal. Hopefully the time off gives Hartenstein some chance to heal his Achilles. And maybe they could push them a little bit down the stretch because they do need to win as many games as possible. But they also need to be healthy when the team actually gets back because we do believe that team can be good enough to win. But they're going to need a, a a Randall, excuse me, a Brunson that isn't running to the ground. And they're going to need a DiVincenzo who didn't play 40 minutes for a month. Like he's not, he's a bench player. He's not used to it. It's probably why he's dealing with a hamstring. It's not the coach's fault just yet. But he's got to figure out a way to, to limit this. And then obviously the baseball season, as we just talked about, camp is starting and I love baseball and I don't buy this crap 
that nobody cares. I care. You care. We all care. You know it. Yes, the limited action in free agency needs to be fixed. There are major problems with it, and it has hampered the the beginning of the season. But pitchers and catchers are upon us, and it's way more important than stupid Valentine's Day. I'll tell you that. And I'm looking forward to the season, and the Yankees are absolutely win now, and the Mets are win later. And the dichotomy of both of those teams and how we look at camps as we heard from the Mets. And listen, hey, there's many ways to measure success. It's not just wins and losses. There's so many things, so many things. And the manager's here and happy to be here and happy to be in uniform, and he's meeting the players for the first time. And it's just the beginning of this Met. Uh, you know, tenure, and we're going to find out what's going on with the Mets, but we're not going to find out now. We're going to find out soon whether or not Pete Alonso is a long-term Met, you know, uh, what this rotation could look like, you know, whether or not Beatty and Vientos are actual players. These are all things we'll find out now. Those are the different ways to measure success. And the Yankees are the complete opposite where Boone has, you know, Joe Girardi in the broadcast booth and Raceman's writing articles that he could be the guy if Boone struggles and he's got Brad Osmus as, as his bench coach who has managerial experience and no real relationship with him. And they traded for they traded for Soto and who knows if he'll be back. He's not under contract. Rizzo's not under contract. Torres is not under contract. Verdugo's not under contract. Everything points to this year. 2024 is a must win for the Yankees and it's just getting started and hey, whatever happens for the Mets. And that's where we are as baseball season opens, and I'm pretty pumped about it. And don't let anybody tell you different. I heard you, Gio, if you're listening. I heard you. Oh, no one cares about pitchers and catchers. I do. I care about all the pitchers throwing all the catchers and all the catchers catching all the pitchers. I care all about it. The midday show does, too. They, they care about they baseball, care, too? Yeah. yeah, they care. Damn right we care. It's baseball season. It's back. I, I can't wait. I love I love the spring training highlights. I love that terrible camera angle from the second row of the upper deck behind home plate. You could barely see where the ball went out. You just see the guy running the bases, and then they have that clip of them touching home plate from all that. Dis- I love those those specific, just to unique to spring training highlights. I love it. Did you see Brian Hoke posted some blurry pictures? I yesterday? saw the blurry yeah, pictures exactly. come out working on the backfield, all of it. I love all of it. I love every aspect of it. That's right. I can't wait. We are going to see Juan Soto and Aaron Judge hit in the same lineup. And I don't care what anybody says. That pumps me up. It might not, the rotation might not be good enough. And I'm worried about Carlos Rodon. And there's plenty of stuff to get to. And there's plenty of questions that need answering. But ultimately, I do believe the Yankees are good enough to contend for a World Series title. And that's all that matters. And I'm pumped about the season starting. I know Stu in Brooklyn is. What's up, Stu Pot? Like, who do I sound like? Well, I'm back. <laughs> you know, like ET. You know the movie ET. I'm I do, back. I vaguely. I don't remember the "I'm back" part of ET. I remember phone home. Oh yeah, we're back. Oh yeah. Oh we're yeah, back. yeah, yeah, yeah. I vaguely remember that. Yes. Come on, come on, come on. I remember that more of like, um, for some reason, like uh, P Diddy, and I remember like it's like, isn't there a sound like bottles clinking? It's like we're back. Uh, I can't remember that, that more guy than from San Diego, Chris. He, what, what is he? Uh, I don't know what he's doing. That guy from San Diego he, lost he, his mind somewhere he, along the I path. Lost his mind? I don't think he has a mind. Well, I mean, listen. Now, I can get into a call. There's no need for you to throw names out there. Well, let's not. put it this way. Uh, Barry Bonds used to walk almost 200 times a year, and that didn't count. 
No, he was just looking for walks. No, never looked for walks. He always he had, listen, an, eye I, beyond, a, he had an eye beyond eye. Absolutely. And Juan Soto knows the strike Juan zone. Juan Soto has the same type of eye. Absolutely. Juan Soto knows the strike zone better than anyone in baseball. Well, what, what's more important, moving the, moving the line, whether you take a walk, get a hit, get a double, a home run, you get on base for the next guy. The next guy drives you in. There you go. You accomplish your, what you set out to Absolutely. do. Absolutely. The, the idea that and how much. You score enough runs last year. Yeah, I know. Oh, go ahead, Stupod. You just want to talk. Go ahead. What else you got to say? No, what else? But I, I don't, I don't believe that they have to get another pitcher. Mm-hmm. But like you said, Dylan Cease is not worth Spencer Jones. I do not, not think he pitcher. is, no. No. On uh, Bieber, uh, I would say Bieber's a little bit more uh, worth, worthy of a guy like Spencer Jones. No. But I don't even know about that. No. No, 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 no. Nope. No, no well. one, no one on a one-year contract is worth it. No one, no one on a one-year deal can't do it. So no, Bieber, and no, Bieber is not good enough to do it. Not on a one-year deal. I want Bieber, but I want Bieber because it's a one-year deal, and I would imagine the Guardians would take less than Spencer Jones. I'm willing to give up almost anything else. Peraza done. Pereira done. Cabrera done. Peraza, Cabrera, Rivera. Nope. Cabra- Cabrera, Peraza, Pereira. Say that five times fast. All three of them, gone, Hampton, uh, Beater, any one of any one of the pitching prospects. I'd be willing to give up any of them, not all of them, but some sort of package with the, another big-time pitching prospect, especially if I'm getting a pitcher back, and, you know, Pereira, Peraza, I'm willing to move them. And that's pretty much what the Orioles gave the Milwaukee Brewers, they gave him like their sixth and seventh, you know, two top ten, but not one, two, three, four, five. And Peraza's probably two or three on the Yankee list. I'd, I'd give him up. I can't give up uh, Spencer Jones. And I know that, you know, you want to say that means I'm overrating him as a prospect? There's value. Forget what he's going to be. There's value. And he's, he's, he's well thought of throughout all of Major League Baseball. I can't give him up for a rental. I can't do it. I'm willing to move him necessarily. It's not like I can't trade him. And especially in the offseason, if they sign Juan Soto to a long-term deal, now the outfield looks a little bit crowded with, with Jason Dominguez and Aaron Judge and Juan Soto. So I'm, I'm certainly willing to move him, but it's got to be for the right deal. It's got to be in something where I'm getting a, a better return than a rental, no matter how good the rental may be. My man Rocco in Saratoga. What's up, Rocco? How's the toga treating you? Hey, the toga is always treating the rock well. You know that. <laughs> I know friend. that. I do know that. Okay, good, buddy. Hey, let's put this idiot from San Diego to bed. <laughs> <This> poor guy. <laughs> this poor guy's on. getting called an idiot by every subsequent call. I listen. He he. I we disagree with him. I disagree with him. The idea that this guy thinks that Juan Soto is nothing but a guy who crouches and looks for walks when you know he's one of the best hitters in baseball. He had thirty six home runs last year and drove in one hundred nine runs. That's not someone looking for walks. It's someone who finds them, and he won't leave the strike zone. But, I mean, Juan Soto is one of the best hitters in baseball, and the Yankees are yeah. lucky to have him. Yeah, for sure, Chris. Of course. This guy's in the sun too long in San Diego. That's what it That's, is. Hey, let's not call him an idiot. You're right. Let's, well, listen, so, I, I, if I want to call him an idiot a little bit, fine, but we don't all have yeah. to pile on. All right. You call him an idiot. I call him a moron, but I'm insulting moron. Okay. Okay? That's <laughs> it. Put him to bed. He doesn't know what the heck he's talking about. <laughs> I, I listen. I agree with you, Rocco. Thank you for the call. I, I agree. We don't have to pile on to the guy. Um, I disagree with him pretty adamantly. 
The idea that Juan Soto stinks and that the Yankees would be nuts to give him a contract, I disagree. When everyone's going to run to give him a contract. I mean, the Mets are going to probably run to give him a contract. We'll see who else. I mean, there's going to be intense battle for the for the uh, desired Juan Soto. He's going to be extremely desirable in the offseason. Now, the Mets, I would think they'd still be in it, even though they'd have to go sign Pete Alonso. And by the way, how is this still a thing? I got to talk. I got to really talk to BT and Sal. Or, like, I, I, I sleep during their show. I got to go back and listen. I see the clips on social. But I don't actually, I don't have the time. I'm sleeping, unfortunately, during their show most, most days. I got to go back and listen to how they honestly think that the, the Mets would be better off without, um, without Pete Alonso. I, I don't get it. The Mets are going to sign Pete Alonso. There's no doubt in my mind, and there's no doubt in my mind they should. Like the guy, I mean, and they will. And the idea that it's gone this far is fine, and the idea that he might not be that thrilled with the Mets is also fine. That's fine. It's okay. He'll still come back to the Mets. Everyone, Judge was furious with the Yankees. I heard Keith before I got on that Judge's great season was an fu to the Yankees. And how pissed he was, they offered him uh, a low-ball contract in his mind, which I disagree. I thought it was a fine contract, uh, considering his injury history. Like, what if what if Judge would have ran into the wall that year? And the Yan- what if the Yankees gave him $300 million like he was asking before the season started, and he ran into the wall in L.A. that year? And never hit 62, and just was in, you know had another injury-plague season. The fan base would be killing the Yankees for giving him $300 million. Some, guys, some people are now. But, you know, a lot of people believe, oh, it was an FU to the Yankees. He went out and just proved them wrong and had that unbelievable year. May the Mets get the same FU. Like, that's, I hope Pete Alonso tells the Mets the same thing and then signs with them just like Judge did. I mean, and then becomes team captain just like Judge did. Like, that's, go, go have the great year. Incentivize the man to have an unbelievable season because, quite honestly, if he doesn't, you have no chance of winning. So go out there, incentivize Pete Alonso to have an unbelievable contract year and want him to want him earn every single penny, and then you give him every single penny. It's perfect. It's the perfect plan. It's a win-win. If he's great, then he's great, and you enjoyed the greatness of Pete Alonso for another year, and then you got to pay him, and great, guess what? You have the money. And if he's not so great, and God forbid, he gets hurt, well, then you pay him less money. Like, well, there's no reason... Like that he needed to get an extension, and there's no reason to think that he won't sign with the Mets, and there's certainly no reason to think the Mets would be better off without him and trading him for what exactly? I mean, how often does it happen? I understand, you know, you want to look to the to the Jets and the Adams trade. Okay, that one worked out. They traded away a great player, got draft picks back. It ended up being, I, I screamed about it at the time. I thought, you keep Jamal Adams, he's too good, you don't move him. Wrong, 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 wrong. That one worked out. Name another one. Name another one where they trade a star player and get back, you know, the, you got to go back to Herschel Walker. Like, I mean, really. Mookie Betts was traded for a guy who got traded to the Yankees and the Red Sox are thrilled about it. And Jeter Downs, who I don't even know if he's in baseball anymore. He's on the Yankees too. Well, I think they got they got rid of him and re-signed him. Yeah, so he, like I they, they designated him for assignment. They might have picked him back up. I don't know. But I know they designated him for assignment at some point this year. Because I remember all the very clever headlines. Yankees designate Jeter for assignment. (laughs) So, I mean, that's who they traded Mookie Betts for. And he's only one of the great players in Major League Baseball, despite the fact that since the World Series, he's been awful in the playoffs. He's hitting like 100. 
But still, I mean, the guy's an MVP candidate. Now he's going to play second base. And he's going to be a gold glove second baseman. Never mind the fact on the weekends he's bowling 300s. The guy's incredible. And they traded him for a guy who they were happy to give to the Yankees and Jeter Downs, who got cut by the Yankees. I mean, you can't make it up. You will not get fair value for Pete Alonso. You just won't. And you have the money to pay him. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. What are you going to do? Trade him for prospects and then what? Go sign Juan Soto? Go sign both of them. Here's a novel idea. Go sign both of them. Pick up Pete Alonso and pick up Juan Soto. God knows you didn't spend any money this offseason. Go pay for both. The Yankees already have the big contract to judge. The Yankees have the big contract to Cole. The Yankees have the big contract to Stanton. No one's saying, oh, you can't sign Soto. Go sign him. Why the Mets can't do Alonzo and Soto, I have no idea. Of course they can. There's no reason on this, uh, there's no reason in the world why Pete Alonzo shouldn't be a Met next year. I can't even fathom it. I can't even fathom the argument. He's your guy. He's a homegrown guy. He's turned himself into a damn good first baseman, perfectly fine. Oh, and by the way, with his eyes closed, he'll hit 40 home runs and drive 100, on, on, drive 100 runs. But no, let's trade him for you know prospects and then you know figure it out. No, thank you. I'll keep Pete Alonso. And I think he'll age just fine. He'll age like Jim Tomey. He won't be able to run. He'll hit home runs. He'll play first base. He'll be fine. He'll play forever. And he plays. That's the other thing, too. Unlike Judge, he plays every single game. We thought he was going to be out for a month. They, you know, Remember when he got that wrist injury? He was going to be, oh, you know, he, he showed up to the event with Craig and Evan, and he's in, the, he's in the cast. And you're like, he's still in a cast. He played two days later. Now, it probably, he probably came back too, too early, and it, it cost him like some uh, a stretch of bad baseball. But ultimately, the guy plays every single game. He hits 40 home runs. He drives in 100 RBIs. At, you know, he's been clutch. Like, I don't – I mean, yeah, they haven't won with him, but they haven't, they haven't won a, a playoff series with him, but they haven't won a playoff series with Nimmo either, and we're suddenly ready to, you know, thrust him into the leadership role of the team. Give me Pete Alonzo. That's what I want if I'm a Met fan. Give me Pete Alonzo and give me Juan Soto. But unfortunately, he's going to win a World Series with the Yankees. He's never going to want to leave. 877-337-6666. McMonigle here with you. We'll come back. Continue to take your phone calls till 5 o'clock and the warm-up show right here on The Fan. All right, a little salt and pepper to get you going at 4.30. I saw that, uh, you know, back when this song was a hit, Shaq was playing for Orlando. I saw he got his, uh, what, he get his number retired, big uh, ceremony there in Orlando. That was when Shaq, I mean, that's when Shaq took, was like, by the time he went to L.A., like, that's where he did his winning, obviously, but he, and he still had, you know, he still was a force, but it felt like when he really, when he came to Orlando and, and you know, entered the NBA, I wasn't the biggest college basketball fan. I didn't really watch him play at LSU. I didn't know anything about him. And then he, you know, he comes to not, you know, not at nine, ten years old, certainly. And um, you know, he broke in, he's breaking backboards. He was in the movie Blue Chips, which is still to this day a tremendous I love blue chips. And then him and Penny Hardaway were a legitimate, just like that was as cool as it gets. Little Penny and you know, Chris Rock and the commercials and Shaq absolutely just dominating. It was, you know, he dominated the, you know, he dominated Patrick Ewing. Akeem Olajuwon was a different story. Uh, 
But, I mean, that was really... And then the ESPN did a great documentary, too, on... Um, I think it was a 30 for 30, but of, uh, you know, those Orlando days and Shaq and Penny and how good that team was and how good it could have been if they could have coexisted. And, you know, Penny... Eventually, I guess he got hurt, shifted around, went to you know, went to Phoenix for a while. I know he was with the Knicks for a while, but I mean that time where the two of them were together, he was, and Shaq was just dominant. He was such a force coming in. The way he moved at his size and everything was incredible. If and, you had to guess how many years he played in Orlando for, do you know the answer? No, not off the top of my head. It would be a, it would be a kind of a guess. I would say the number that's jumping out at me he played. Four years with Orlando? Yeah, that's crazy to yeah. me. That his, I know he was great there, but yeah. his number was retired for four seasons. Well, I mean, yeah, but he changed, and they had right, and they they had back to back first overall picks. I think that's what it was. In the, if I remember the documentary, while I'm talking, I'm going to take Mark in a second. Well, look that up and see if they were both Penny and Shaquille were both back to back number one picks. Somehow they got lucky. I remember. The guy was like, they, they showed him at the draft, the guy who was there for both times, and it was like this unbelievable thing that they were lucky enough to win back-to-back first overall picks. Uh, I believe that's the case. But, no, they were they were special. Though. They were special. They changed. Then they got Horace Grant, and they went at the Bulls and beat you know Michael. Really, if you think about it, during that stretch, he was gone for 94. He comes back for the playoffs in 95 wearing you know the number 45 jersey. That Orlando series is really the only – Playoff series, Michael Jordan loses uh, from 91 to the end of his career. That's the only series he loses is to is to Penny and Shaq. That's it. Other than that, he from, from 91 when they win that first championship against the Lakers, that run until the final shot against Carl Malone, Stockton, and the Jazz. I mean, that's the only— Penny was third. Penny overall. was the third overall pick? Yes. Was it the year before Shaq then he had the number one overall pick? They had the number one overall pick two years after Shaq and took Chris Webber. And then traded him, obviously, yeah. for I thought they yeah, maybe I thought yeah, I guess maybe that was it. They they felt lucky to win the, the pick again, uh, only two years later. Or maybe the odds were crazy. I I gotta watch the documentary again, but it's something like that. Where they probably had a decent winning season and then still got lucky enough to get the number one pick. It was something like that, where they got lucky with the number one pick. Well, I guess technically it was that year. Right. So Chris Webber was traded, so that was part of the Hardaway trade. So maybe they did take. Yeah. So so it says here that Chris Webber was the first pick and Penny was the third. Yeah. But they were traded for each other. Correct. So, no, so they had the number one pick. So it was technically the number one yeah, pick. Yeah, I think yeah. they had a there back-to-back years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not back-to-back. There was a year in between. Oh, yeah. a year in between. Okay. But I think it was, like, miraculous. They won the lottery odds were crazy that they got the first overall pick. But, yeah, that team was the only team to really beat Jordan in that run. 94, he completely missed. He came back late mid-95, and that's the only team that beat him. Mark in Brooklyn. What's up, Mark? What's up, my man? How are you tonight? Good. How are you, bud? Good. I just had a reference to something you said earlier about you don't get to listen to BT and Sal. Yes. And I know Sal's a bit of a clown, but he actually No, Sal's said, a man. No, Sal's a clown. <laughs> but he actually said the Mets should move on from Pete. To give Nemo a chance to embrace the leader, I saw, role I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I saw. I mean, that. what is he talking about, bro? Well, listen, I don't want to. I, I, I don't know. Listen, he's closer to the Mets than I am. Certainly, he works for SMI. He yeah. works with a lot of people around the Mets. His information on the Mets is far better than yours or mine. 
Um, so well, I, that's they not must, information. That's an opinion. Well, fact, and it, it's ridiculous. Yes. Well, obviously it's an opinion, but my point is, is that the information he might be getting around the Mets is that the leader of the team should be Nimmo, or that the the, the guys look up to Nimmo, or you know maybe he didn't they, indicate that. He's saying this was his belief. Okay. Because the guy guy sprints the first base on a walk. And yeah. Listen, I I I, I agree. He he has a little bit of uh, fake hustle to me. But Nimmo, absolutely. But he's still a great player. He's been far. He's taken his he's talent. A decent player. Bro. He's no, far he's, from a he's great player. He, well. I mean, yeah. He's not. A, did I say great? I misspoke when I said. I think I didn't. Fall, I don't think I said great. He's a very good player, and he's turned himself in. I mean, early in his career, you weren't sure he was going to play center field. Now they're probably going to move him off it, obviously. But I mean, he turned himself into a far better center fielder than I thought he could be. He's legitimate. You know, the, I know the saber metrics and analytics are a dirty word, but he's one of he's beloved by those for those kind of players. He, I think he's very good. I think he's a very solid, good player. He's probably overpaid, but that's not a problem when you have Stearns as the owner. And I don't have a necessarily, you know, I don't think one has. You don't have to move on from Pete to to have uh, Nimmo be the leader of the team necessarily if that naturally happens. But I don't. I just I don't agree with that. But I I, I just for me. I need Pete Alonso on the Mets. I, I need Pete Alonso on the Mets. <laughs> you don't have many guys who I just told you thirty-five home runs this year was f- from Juan Soto. Guys who told me Juan Soto was just looking for walks. I looked at Juan Soto's numbers. Juan Soto had thirty-five home runs. That's top fifteen in Major League Baseball this year. Thirty-five. Pete Alonso does that with his eyes closed. With his eyes closed. I don't care if the ball's juiced, not juiced, whatever the case may be. Pete Alonso is going to hit forty home runs and drive in hundred runs. Those players do not grow on trees. He's he's the premier. You could argue he's the premier home run hitter in all of Major League Baseball. Does he have faults to his game? Sure. Is his OPS as high as you would think from someone who slugs like that and hits that many home runs? No. Does he have does he have times where he goes through stretches of bad swings? Everybody does. Pete Alonso has an opportunity to be the best position player in Mets franchise history. He's your guy. Uh, there's no reason to move on from you won't get you won't get fair market value you just won't you'll it'll never it'll never add up and he needs to understand like if you look at Olson's contract you look at the comps I'm not saying you have to go strictly on that but that's the basis of it that's the start of it I don't know how much more like eventually we're seeing now m- the market might be might be different like we're, we're seeing we're seeing different guys not you know some guys get paid Top end of the pitching market got paid. You know, obviously Otani got paid. But we're still waiting on a Bellinger contract. We're still waiting on Snell. We're still waiting on Montgomery. We're still waiting on Chapman. Like, and those are all Boris clients. Alon that money for Alonzo might not be there. And if you look at it, the who are the teams that spend big money? The Dodgers have Freddie Freeman. I don't think the, the I don't think the Yankees will dabble in it. Maybe, maybe if the Mets steal away Soto, the Yankees would be possibly interested in Alonzo to replace um to replace uh what um Anthony uh, Rizzo at first base maybe but I doubt it I don't think they'd be willing to spend that kind of big money on him but I don't know how I don't know what the market value will be for Alonzo I don't think it's going to be something that breaks the bank and I just I don't see moving on from him being the smart thing I just don't now if he's again Sal might have an opinion, and he might say it's just his feel for it. But he's got—he's got, you know. I would think, as closely as they work, he's got some sort of 
reason behind the feeling that someone needs to go to step up another person's leadership role. And there's obviously the thought of something being wrong inside that clubhouse. But I, I can't move on from Pete. It's very hard. Uh, 877-337-6666. Maury, in Belmore, tonight is your night, bro. Tonight is your night, bro. You know, I forgot to talk about yesterday was Mahomes actually pointed out Drew Greenlaw's injury to Nagy, his offensive lineman, right when it happened. I don't know if you saw the video yet. I did not see that video, no. He's telling Nagy, 57 is hurt, 57 is hurt, take a look across across the field. Right. From that point on, they changed their offensive place because he was all over the quarterback. Yeah. I mean that is a huge point. I mean no, no doubt that injury back. that injury has impacts the game. There's no doubt about it. The flow. I think he was watching the quarterback. He was. I mean, I think they were effective because of it. And the fact that he was just running on the field and he pulled the Achilles is really sad to say. But it is what it is. Game over, right? Yeah. No. The, the game is over, and the the offense did pick up for me. The the Greenlaw injury definitely has something to do with it. But they just got momentum from that fumbled punt, and then the one play into the end zone. that It just sparked the offense as much yeah, as any and injury. Kept, and I kept turning around and looking at the score. I'm like, wait a minute. They've dominated this game, 49ers, the whole time, and they're yep. up by six points. Not good enough. I mean, this to- yeah, Totally agree. The ha- halftime, it was all, yeah, the uh, halftime score wasn't good enough for me. And thank you, Maury. I want to get through some calls. The halftime score wasn't good enough for me. You can't dominate, at the, especially at the point of attack on the line of scrimmage like that, and be up a touchdown, and especially with, with Kansas City coming out. And that's why I said that game for me – was won defensively by Kansas City in that first in that third quarter, coming out of the halftime, because you assume oh they just, they're going to pull the Patriots they're going to score only three wasn't a touchdown but they're going to score three going into the half and then Kansas City gets the ball at half on the start of the third quarter and they're going to go down the field and it'll be a tie game and they'll score going in they'll score coming out and the game will change and instead Mahomes throws a pick and you're thinking geez man I, maybe this isn't Mahomes' day. And that defense right there in that moment held uh, held San Francisco and and I think it was four consecutive three and outs. They come out of the half down 10-3. The first two drives of Kansas City is a pick and a three and out. And that defense, that Kansas City defense, did not allow San Francisco to get a first down until Kansas City had the lead. They're down 10-3 coming out of that half. And San Francisco did not get a first down until they were trailing in the game, 13-10. That's the moment that defense turned around. They forced the four, They forced three and outs. Then Kansas City finally got a drive together, kicked three. They forced another three and out. And, um, that's, and then Kansas City had the punt, and that's where the fumble happened, and that's where the game changed. But defensively, and then the next drive, they allowed Kansas, uh, San Francisco to go down the field and score a touchdown. But by that time, the offense, they gave they held out just long enough for Mahomes to get his rhythm and get the offense going. They, they forced the three and outs just enough and held, that, that held San Francisco down in that third quarter just enough to get Mahomes in rhythm. And that's where the game changed. And that's where they won it defensively for me. That's really where it changed. Those three and outs during that third quarter and allowed Kansas City to go down the field. Then they allowed the mistake. Then they allow the touchdown, and before San Francisco even gets their offense going and gives, gets a first down, they've they've had a 10-3 lead turn into a 13-10 deficit. And even though they retook the lead, it didn't matter. Mahomes was on fire from that point on. The defense had to hold out long enough to get Mahomes going, and they did. 
877-337-6666. All right, one more segment. I got you till 5 o'clock. We'll go rapid fire style all the way till the warm-up show. McMonagle here with you on the fan. McMonagle here with you, 877-337-6666. Let's take your calls as we get you to 5 o'clock. The warm-up show, Al and Jerry are here. I've seen them both. They're ready to go. 877-337-6666. Let's go to Chris in Manhattan first as we try and go rapid fire. What's up, Chris? Good morning. Nothing like talking baseball in February. That's it. Nothing like talking baseball, period, any time of year. I love that about you. I'm the same way. So on the Mets and Alonzo, you know, I I totally agree with your point. I mean, and here's the other thing. Not that it's an original thought, but it's one that I think is important. Like, I I think, look, Alonzo has proven in New York City that he can handle hitting home runs and bombs here and producing. And to me... When you look at free agents who are bringing people in that might have to fill that void, mm-hmm. you know, a, a middle-of-the-lineup guy, an ace pitcher, a closer, those are about the three most important and treacherous positions to fill. And I just think, like, that has to count for something. He's I done agree. it here. I, told, I think that's an element to it, too. He's done it here. He's had. He's built a relationship with the fans. Um and that's why I think the main reason it'll happen, because this owner has shown the uh, interest, in, and thank you for the call, Chris, the owner has shown interest in doing what the fans want on some level. Like, he's he's a Met fan himself, and for many years, the Met fan has felt like they've been overlooked, whether it's the building of the ballpark and how Dodger-esque it was. Like, he's done all this, right? He's done all this stuff. He's embraced Met history, which the Met fans have been dying for. Uh, the, the, the statue of Tom Seaver which all Met fans, including I'm, I'm pretty sure Boomer, has been clamoring for it for years. He gives you the statue. He gives you Old Timer's Day. He gives you the black jerseys. He gives you whatever you want, right, and and promises you're winning in five years, and now he's stepped back on that a little bit, but he's going to, you know, I, I assume he has every intention of building a winner. He's just, for whatever reason, discounting trying to do it this year for a better chance at, in the future, which... If it pans out, it pans out, but I hate punting on seasons. But that, neither here nor there. He understands the connection this team has with with Pete Alonso and what Pete Alonso has done on the field and the idea that, yeah, you never know. You never know what people are able to do in your uniform and especially in this city when you and and what you know you get out of Pete Alonso. Like, to me, it makes no sense. It just it just doesn't. It doesn't. And I, And I get, you know, you could reshape the team. And especially if you're talking about this this new uh, president of baseball operations, Stearns, to come in and build the team in his image, and if he feels like the contract's going to be absorbent and the Mets aren't off to a, a good start this year or, or hit the all-star break and it's not going well, I mean, if they get an unbelievable package, could you see him doing it? I doubt it, but I think you pay him. I just I don't think there's any other way. I don't I don't I don't really see. And I know for whatever reason, BT and Sal have come up. I know they they feel differently than me. But, I mean, I'm sure they have their reasons, and I've heard some of it. And both of them are really smart baseball guys. BT played it, and Sal loves it and works uh, for SNY. So I it's I just I, – I have to have – I have to call them. I have to figure out why they feel so strongly about it because I don't – I just don't see it at all. Eddie and Rockland, what's up, Eddie? Hey, Chris. Happy Valentine's Day, buddy. Oh, happy Valentine's Day to you. 
How old? I was are you? worried about you. I was worried about you driving home, man. Yeah, last and yesterday he, was pretty rough the drive home. To be quite honest with you, the snow was pretty bad. The roads were pretty bad. It was slow going. It took me forever. Yeah, I was wondering what was worse, driving home at your time or driving in at BT and Sal's time. Yeah, I know. It was, um, it was a lingering off then, about then. Yeah, it was pretty rough getting home. I probably, right, should, I probably bro, should rapid fire, rapid fire, quickies. Yeah. Uh, the Sherlock Holmes movies with more uh, with uh, Downey. Uh, good yeah. painting, and those were my favorite. Yeah, I like I, that I, yeah, no? no, I like them. I wouldn't call them my favorite by any stretch, but yeah, I thought they were solid. Right. They were good. All right, since you're a Beatles guy, can you throw me some Wings song? You know, Jets and uh, Band on the Run once in a while. Yeah, we can play some Wings song. Sure. There you go. I and mean, uh, I, I love Wings stuff. I, I'm a huge fan. Right, and you know, it's Woody Johnson changing the uniform. I guess that's his big decision of the year, right? Yeah, well, he does it. He loves those uniform tweets. Nothing better than uniform tweets from Woody Johnson. He loves to make you. He loves to break the news to you what uniform combination they're wearing that week. He's excited to change the new uniforms. It's uh, nothing like it. Probably Woody, ran it by Aaron Rodgers first. Though. Yeah, of course. That's probably what it was. I mean, unfortunately, that's the only uniform he's worn. Was that? was the new, that throwback that they're going to make their uh, regular uniform. And I guess the other uniform story is the City Connect jerseys. Nine Major League Baseball teams, including the Mets, are going to have a, a throwback. The Yankees have not, uh, but the Mets are going to have a, a City Connect jersey that you'll be able to buy and purchase and give to the kids. Another manufactured thing, just like just like Valentine's Day. More manufactured gear for us to buy. Which I, I guess the Yankee, the Yankee uniform, let's be honest, let's be fair. The Yankee uniform is becoming less and less untouchable. They added the Nike swoosh a couple of years ago. Now they've added the patch uh, for the insurance company, Star Insurance. They're, chain, uh, they're going back old school with their old road jerseys, apparently, with no outside bold on the letters. I don't know if we'll even notice it, to be honest with you. And I don't really care. I, I, I don't care. The patch isn't that. I, it would be bad. Like for me, if Meineke is written across the back of their jerseys, yeah, that would bother me. There's a there's a there's a level. I don't want them to turn into, you know, race car drivers. But at the same time, do I care that there's a patch on their arm? I do not. I I honestly don't. Would I care if they change their shaving policy? I would not care whatsoever. I have no problem keeping it. I don't think we should, you know, suddenly if there's like one free agent who wants to sign and that, you know, too bad. You don't want to shave, too bad. But I would be open to changing it. Well, I don't care. We get so hung up on the prestige and the and the history and all the stuff. Things change. I have no problem with the Nike swoosh. I thought I would, and then I didn't care. It's amazing how much you care. All I care about is if they're winning. I don't care what they're wearing. I don't care if they shave. I don't care how how far their hair comes down. I don't. Are you winning? That's all I care about. That the, that secondary stuff is all second. The that the idea that the Yankees are superior to other teams and. A, a, a myriad of ways is, is absolute nonsense. They're uh, they're the Yankees. They're the, they're the baseball team that plays in New York with a rich history. That's all. I, I just want winning. I don't. You put anything on the patch. I don't care. Shave. I am. I, I think that has become more of a thing as we move forward. And I, you know, I know different players. There's been a couple, right? There's been. A, I remember there was a story that Brian, I think it was Brian Wilson, the old closer for the Giants, who remember had that really, that really dark, thick beard, and it looked like he had like beard oil in it. He was always shiny. 
Apparently, the beard was important to him. And I think there was a rumor that the Yankees had reached out to him, and he's like, no, it's a non-starter. I'm not getting rid of the beard. I think that's few and far between. Obviously, we saw Verdugo shave the beard immediately. I don't think anyone cares. So you got to shave. I saw Jeter mention. And how about, did you see the the Loria, the former uh, owner of the Marlins, absolutely trashed Jeter in an interview. I'm pretty sure it was Loria with the, with the Marlins. He talked about... What a terrible executive Jeter was. Absolutely trashed him. That he was out to just undo everything they did prior. He spent millions of dollars moving that ugly statue out of center field. Well, that's all he cared about. He was a terrible executive. He absolutely killed Jeter on that all, all of a sudden very popular Foul Territory podcast. Out of nowhere, that's become a very popular baseball podcast. Everybody's on there talking trash. Everyone goes on there and talks trash, whether it's Yankee prospects complaining about the the way the Yankees handle the system, whether it's, you know, former owners killing Derek Jeter and his manage and his general managerial styles, which I'll admit, I don't know if Jeter did a terrible job or not. It didn't work out there. I think that it was portrayed as they didn't want to win, so he left. It's probably not completely accurate, but I, I think the idea that many fans want Jeter to be the next GM is absolutely ridiculous. I love Derek Jeter. Let him stay on TV. Let him come for Old Timers Day and let him show up to different games. And, you know, we'll have I'll have a Jeter Day every year. I don't care. Have an annual Jeter Day. I'm on I'm on, on board. I don't want him running the the franchise. I think that's crazy. I think that's pe- people say this stuff because they're so hung up on the idea that they want to somehow cling to that to that 90s team so badly. They want Jorge Posada to be the bench coach. They want Paul O'Neill to be the hitting coach. They want David Cohen to be the pitching coach. They want David Wells to be the drinking coach. That one actually makes sense. They, they want they want Graham Lloyd to be the relief, the, the bullpen coach. It's ridiculous. Like they want to just like Tino Martinez to be involved somehow. Go get Tino to be the hitting coach. I just that's we want to cling to that '90s team. Well, we got a new captain in Aaron Judge, and he's about to have another monster season along with Juan Soto, the guy who only walks. That was that takes the cake for Caller so far. Caller of the the early year is the uh, guy from San Diego who told me that it's a that Juan Soto stinks. All he does, he watch. First of all, I'll tell you the truth. You can say whatever you want, Chris. I live here in San Diego. I watch 40, 50 games a year. How many games you watch? I'll tell you right now. All Juan Soto does is he crouches and looks for walks. That's it. That's all he does. And you want to pay him what? $500 million? You want to be out of your mind. I'll pay him $500 million right now if he'd sign the contract. You must be out of your mind. The guy's going to be an absolute beast for the New York Yankees. And I can't wait. I cannot wait. To see him in full regalia. I cannot wait. In that Yankee pinstripe. And baseball is back. And so is Yankee Hot Stove. You think Yankee Hot Stove was something during the football season. You just wait. You just wait. Thank you guys for calling. And thank you for listening. And thank you for calling even from San Diego. Rami on the other side. Thank you, buddy. I'll catch you guys again tomorrow, 2 a.m. Enjoy your Wednesday, enjoy the rest of your show, and enjoy the Valentine's Day. Have a great day. Go spend $750 on a card that will be thrown out tomorrow. Go tell the person you love you love them like you did yesterday and the day before. But today it's special for some reason. Go buy some flowers that will die 
and will be in the garbage in a week. But enjoy it. You should. Go get dinner. Everybody have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow. Sports Radio 1019 FM. WFAU.